On the show today, I'm very excited to be welcoming one of the stars of the hit NBC comedy The Good Place to the show. He plays cheaty fan favourite and iconic character. It's a great chat with William Jackson Harper, so don't go anywhere. It's going to be a great show. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Benjamin Mamakay's Talk To Me. It's great to be with you here in the last week of August. And uh, today I bring you my chat with William Jackson Harper. Now, the NBC comedy The Good Place, created by Mike Schur, who also uh, created Parks and Recreation, took the international television viewing audience by storm last year when it debuted. Now, it's, uh, it stars Kristen Bell and Ted Danson, along with uh, our guest today, William and it's a very, very clever comedy. Now, it's on NBC in America, but the rest of the world is able to watch it on Netflix, which does account for its global popularity. And I spoke to William about uh, not only his love for uh, acting and theatre, but also uh, how he nearly gave up at one point. And then The Good Place uh, came along and turned his career around. So here's my chat with William Jackson Harper. Enjoy. William, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. It's so great to have you here today. Now, I've heard you talk a lot about knowing what you wanted to do from a, a relatively young-ish age. But when you worked out that you wanted to pursue acting as a career, how did you go about ensuring that that happened? Well, I, I decided uh, to study theatre in college um, because I was, uh, you know, they honestly gave me the most... Well, I decided to study theatre in college because it, I got a scholarship. Um, and I... You know, actually had the intention of um, of changing majors um, because I was like, well, you know, this isn't a, a realistic career path, so I should probably pick something more stable. But it, in the meantime, if you use the scholarship money to get to school and then, like, you know, pick a real major later, that would be that 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 would be fine. And I just got to school and, and was and was hooked, just instantly, just hooked. And uh, and uh, and so I studied. Uh, for four years, I uh, after graduating, I came back to well, I went back home to Dallas, Texas, where I'm from, and um, you know worked in a bookstore and um, did some local uh, jobs at some local theaters to get my actor's equity card, and from there I moved to New York and just kind of got in the theater scene there. Now, as you said, you've done theater as well as TV and film. So, do you have a, a preference? Um, well, they're just, they're both so different. Um, I mean, I think theater is a much more active, uh, art form for the actor, um, because you are basically, you're in rehearsal for weeks at a time, and you're really diving into what this character wants moment to moment, and you do that with, with, uh, with, uh, TV and film too, but... I think that, you know, when you get in front and you're on that ride from beginning to end for a couple of hours, and, you know, that's, it's, it's, uh, it's just a little bit more, you're in control of that, whereas on TV and film, I think that there's a lot of different people that have to do a lot of things exactly right for your work to even matter, um, and you know, there's a there's lighting, there's sound, there's the camera, and you're only doing like you know, a, at most a couple of pages at a time. 
and you're, you're not rehearsing for weeks on end before you um, before you go and shoot things. It's like you're basically, you get the script, you memorize it, you rehearse a little bit before, you maybe work out some things the night before, and then you, uh, and then you go. And, um, and so I think that, you know, for, for me, uh, theater is just a much more active art form. And with theatre, obviously you do a show sometimes thousands of times over. So how do you ensure that that stays fresh and unique for every single audience? Um, I, you know, I, I think that for, for, for me, no, no performance is going to be, uh, no two performances are going to be the same. You know, like it's, it's always going to be a little bit different depending on the audience, depending on the, in, the, the energy of your scene partner. Um, and so it's, it's, it, it's easy to keep it alive. At least, at least if the, if the script is good, you know, there's always, it's always going to be a little different every night. And, um, and so it's, 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 I find it's, I find it's a lot easier to keep it alive there because, and also because, you know, there's a lot less precision on exactly where you need to land, exactly how you need to, to, um, to say a line because you don't have to match up with anything else. Like on TV and film, you have to like, you know, match coverage sometimes. Sometimes you get a little room to play depending on what the angle is. But um, with theater, it's, it's, it's a lot more, you know, as long as you're around this part of the stage with this moment, you're fine. And as long as the integrity of the scene uh, stays the same, you're fine. And so there's like little differences that creep in pretty much every night. And that's, and that's fun. It certainly sounds like it. So a lot of people would know you from The Good Place. Now, I know that um, the creator's previous show, Parks and Rec, had a lot of improvisation, which sort of lends into what you were saying then. So do you ever get to play with any of the dialogue or scenes on The Good Place? You know, a, a little, little, little bit. Um, on The Good Place, the plotting is so tight that there's really not a lot of room to just kind of go for it. You know, it's um, it's a little bit more it's it's a little bit more important that we sort of stick to the storyline that has been laid out, um, and to not lose control of that too much. So there's there's little improvisations as long as we don't uh, undermine the integrity of the scene and of the of the long story that we're telling. Um, so we don't we don't do a ton of improvisation. I, I mean, and also our writers are just so good that a lot of the times that's that's what's on the page is a lot funnier than what I would come up with on the fly. Has, is, is there a line or a moment that was improvised that you were very proud of, though? Um, you know, it's usually in, in reactions. It's like, um, uh, for me, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, like in the trolley problem, there were... Um, there was like this, uh, there was like this blood cannon that sprayed me in the face, and um, I was like covered in guts. And as it happened, I just remember screaming, "Oh my god!" And it wasn't scripted, but it was, you know, but it was like it was just a real reaction. And I, I think that you know that sort of over the top reaction, especially seeing the character of Chidi uh, just getting messed with in such a horrendous way, is uh, yeah. I, I think I'd like to think that that worked and that contributed something. But in general, like, we, we stay pretty close to the script. 
Interesting. And I mean, the show has become such a huge phenomenon all over the world. Is it true that you considered giving up acting shortly before being cast? I did. I did. Um, I uh, actually was coming out to L.A. for my what I was going to call my last pilot season. Um, I, um, you know, I, I was 36 and, uh, you know, living with uh, a lot of dudes and... <laughs> Um, you know, and I, I mean, it's like my roommates, we all like sort of, you know, really supported each other and were, you know, there for each other in some really tough times. And I, 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 I love those guys, but I was also, you know, a 36 year old man with, with three roommates and, um, and just not seeing how my life was ever going to become stable. And I was worried about that. It's like, what happens if this is, if this is what my life is, you know, in another 25 years, what, what, I mean, like, what does that mean? What does that? Can I can I do exactly this same thing uh, for the rest of my life? And I, I'm like, I don't I don't think I can. I, I think that I've um, I think I'm done with that. And um, and so I was like, you know, trying to figure out what else I would do. But I decided this is gonna be my last pilot season. I was gonna come out and really just you know give it all that I had. And um, and uh, yeah, and I wound up getting this, which is sort of like a. You know, it was a real, it was a, it was a life preserver. Um, you know, because I had no idea what I was going to do if I wasn't an actor. But I, I figured I'd, I'd given it a lot of, given it a lot of time. I'd been very fair, and uh, it wasn't panning out the way that I wanted to. And now it very much is. So, how have you seen your life change since the Good Place started? Um, honestly, man, it's just nice to know that I have rent for the next month always there um as opposed to you know those those scary moments of um okay you know like i'm on stage and i have one more check and i have a waiting week and then i can get unemployment and that'll help me get to the next month you know it's like it's, it's nice to just know that the necessaries are are, are taken care of uh it's there's just so much stress all the time um especially being a stage actor in New York. It's just really, it's really tough. Unless you're on Broadway all the time, it's really, it's really hard. And, um, and so uh, it's just nice to just have that, have all of that taken care of. That's the biggest difference, just to not have constant stress. Um, uh, but beyond that, it's, um, you know, things honestly feel very similar to what they felt like before. Um, you know, every now and again, someone will come up and say, hey, man, I really like your show, and that's always nice, and, you know, um, but that's, but other than that, not, not a whole lot has changed, just except for the occasional, you know, uh, unsolicited ego boost. That's never a bad thing. No, it's all, it's awesome. And for, for actors, or aspiring actors, who are in that point at the moment where they're thinking that they want to give up what would you say to them would you encourage them to persevere just a little bit more i would i think that you know for me i i had i had hit a point where i was okay with giving up acting i was um because i i thought about it you know years before but you know i think every actor has that moment um but i i hit a point where i was like you know actually i think I would be happier if I was not an actor. And before, I, I was, um, I was, I was begrudgingly 
considering giving up acting. And I think as long as you have that, as long as it feels like you're going to be losing something to to stop pursuing your passion or your art form, um, I think that you should stay with it. it, it you know, it, it, and I think that you know, it's 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 definitely worth it to um, to keep doing it as long as it makes you happy. Um, and I, I think that for me, it stopped making me happy for a while, and that's why I was I was like, I, I think I might need to, to leave it leave it behind. Um, and so, it, it, as long as it, I feel like, as long as your art's making you happy, as long as your passion's making you happy, just stick with it. There's there's really not you're not going to lose there. And now, obviously, you're making people people happy all over the world with the Good Place. What was that first day on set like with Ted Dance and and, and Kristen Bell, who are both such icons of the industry? Uh, well, I mean, I was incredibly nervous. It was incredibly nerve-wracking. I couldn't believe that I was there. I was absolutely certain that everyone was going to find out that I was a fraud and that they made a terrible mistake in giving me this job and I would be sent home, dismissed, and um, that would be the end of it. Um, but everyone was just so so kind um you know ted's a national treasure he's you know i think he's one of the greatest comedic actors of many generations um and i mean i grew up watching him and uh, be to to to, to to play opposite is incredible and and Kristen's like just a whip smart incredibly funny incredibly sharp person and just so alive on camera and I steal from her a lot um, and I um, I learn from her a lot and it's um, it's it's I don't know it's it's I mean that first day was just sort of it was it was mind-blowing it was it was just mind-blowing and the rest of the cast is is you know like Darcy and Jamila and Manny they're they're all really great and we all I think we all couldn't believe that we got to be there and thankfully, there were four of us who were sort of in the same boat. And, um, and so that allowed us to sort of, like, have that sort of pressure release valve to sort of, you know, say, like, you're okay, things are fine, you deserve to be here, you know, you're, you're, you're good at your job. Yeah, that certainly would be hugely important. And were you able to sort of, as you sat there listened to that first read, could you predict how successful the show could become? Did you did you see the the fan reaction in its future? No, no, I didn't. I actually thought that. I mean, I I I, I loved it, and I thought because I loved it that it would not last. You know, because I I tend to love really weird, like left of center shows, and I felt like oh well, you know, this is a. This is really funny, really inventive, really strange, and I, I don't see how people are going to really give this a shot. And and they did. I, I mean, I, I could not have. I mean, I, I, I figured that we would have a little time, um, you know, with the likes of uh, Mike Schur and Ted Danson and Kristen Bell. I just knew that, like, well, you know, we're going to at least get a season out of this, and you know, hopefully, we get some people on board. Um, but it's so weird to ask people to come along for that ride, and I, I, I didn't, I really didn't think that it would be the success that it is, and I'm delightfully surprised. And it's also a very smart show. 
I think. And I mean, a lot of that comes not only from the writing and the twists, but from, from Chidi. And you mentioned the, the trolley problem episode. I mean, how much are you actually learning as, as you go through this? Because um, that, that mental state and how much he questions everything based on you know, the philosophy is, is truly fascinating. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning sort of the Cliff's Notes version of all of these things. I, uh, you know, I, we get a script and I hear about a basic concept or uh, a philosopher and I just go straight to the internet and look it all up and try to get a basic understanding of, of what I'm talking about. Um, but beyond that, a lot of this is actually, it's, it's incredibly dense. Uh, I remember there was one time there was a, a joke in one of the scripts that um, uh, the writer wasn't quite sure we were uh, we were making um, we were making the joke that was in, that was consistent with this sort of uh, with this particular philosophy uh, tenet. And they asked me to read this article, which was sort of a truncated uh, version of this concept. And say, you know, it's like if you read this and tell us what you think, you know, and if this is the joke that we should we should be making. And I, I got so completely lost trying to read this article um, I, that I, I, I just I had nothing. And thankfully, you know, our writers are so smart that they, you know, were able to like figure that out and, you know, put in a joke that actually worked. And um, and so I, I find that. You know, I, I try to spend some time in that mental space, but I also try to keep it as simple as possible so I don't lock myself up in my own head while I'm trying to, you know, play the scene. Of course. And I think we've said a few times that the show has uh, incredible twists. Now, when did you first find out about the major twist at the end of season one? Um... I want to say we were on episode, we were shooting episode 10. Um, <clears throat> we, um, we were, we were on location, we were like in, uh, uh, we were this, the set for Tahani's house, and uh, Mike brought us into this big room and said, um, okay, so we're, we're basically, you know, we're winding down, and we should tell you over the next couple of, uh, over the next couple of episodes, things are going to change. And, you know, he sat us down and, and it was, just walked us through, through the last two episodes. And just all of our all of our faces just sort of, you know, our jaws just hit the floor, you know, because it, it, it just... I, I think that we all felt like this is funny. This is funny. You can, you can ride this out for a long time. But I think that that twist is what made the show... It took the show from good to great, I think, and um, and you know I, I think we were all just like we just couldn't believe our luck that we were in something that was going to be so strange and so weird. Um, so yeah, it was like yeah, it was like episode ten, yeah, when that happened. And there've been a couple of great twists since, which I don't want to spoil for listeners who haven't seen the show. Now we've sort of got a, a little bit of a new premise for season three. Has that started filming yet? Do you have any idea of, of how that's going to look yet? We we I don't know how it's gonna look just yet. Um, I mean, I've uh, I've been I've uh, I've been told some of the things that will happen over the course of the next season. We uh, we actually start production here pretty soon, um, but I'm not sure how it's all gonna look. Uh, I'm I'm just as curious as, as you are 
Um, and this is one of the fun things about the show is that like we don't know the entire arc of the season once we begin. You know, like we usually sort of we get the scripts right before we start shooting or like a week or so before we start shooting. So it's just as much fun for us reading it to see what happens next as it is for people that get to watch it later. That must be such a rewarding thing because I know that Mike Schur has said he's got a seven-year plan for the show. So yeah. you get to see your character grow even though I suppose that's already all mapped out in his head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting because it's um to have all of that story just just sort of in your brain and at the ready is is, is pretty incredible um, because when we when we do go in and he sort of like maps out several different ep- different episodes at a time he'll quote lines that will actually make it into the script like verbatim and this is months ahead of them actually being written so I mean the whole thing lives in his head and it's it's it's, it's pretty incredible and watching someone like Mike, you know, run the show and create the show, does that inspire you to want to create something or write or direct? Um, I, well, actually, I, I, um, I, I do write. I like, to, I like to write quite a bit. Um, uh, I, I, I've never done, I've never tried to write anything for the screen because, the, uh, you know, trying to tell a story in pictures is, uh, is, is different for me. I've written stuff for the stage and, um, you know, and other, like, short pieces here and there, but never anything for the screen. As far as directing, I don't know if that's something that I like to do. I don't really like to be the boss of people. I, 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 it, it makes me very uncomfortable. I'm, I, I feel much better just sort of holding up in my room, just getting weird and showing it to people later and then walking away from it. I, I, I really don't like to... And, and I, I mean, obviously I like to act, but, I, but being a director is something that I, I have no, no desire to do. Yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, with The Good Place having a shorter episode count, does that give you a lot more opportunities to explore uh, other films or TV shows or, or theatre? Yeah, yeah. Um, I usually, I still live in New York, and uh, The Good Place actually shoots in L.A., so um, I come here to do the show um, for a few months, and then I spend the majority of the year in New York, and... Uh, it is, uh, it, it, yeah, I, I, I still do a lot of theater whenever I can. It's just sort of an interesting, it's, it's, a, it's a good way to keep my creative brain active when I'm not working on the show. Because um, a good place is pretty all-consuming while we're, while we're working on it. And, uh, you know, I really don't have a lot of time to, you know, go do a reading, go do a workshop, or, you know, do anything other than a good place. And so it's... Um, and so it's good to, to, to come to New York after after that's done shooting and just sort of, you know, you know, open up some different neural pathways and try some different stuff. Of course. And you have done Broadway before. So what's it like doing eight shows a week? Um, you know, it's it's uh it, it's it's sort of the norm for me. It's like um that that's what I'm used to. Um it, it's it's incredibly time consuming. Um because the time before the curtain, you're actually sort of in a, in a headspace preparing to do the show. Um, you know, you're like, at least for me, it's like I'm, 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 you know, a couple of hours before, my brain just sort of like slows down. I start, kind of start thinking about what I have to do here in, in a couple of hours. And 
I'm riding on the train, I'm listening to music or a podcast or something, or if the weather's nice, I'm riding my bike in town and, or in Manhattan, and, and um, you know, I'm just sort of in this sort of meditative-focused space. Um, and then you do the show, and then you go home. And it's like only, uh, like, from beginning to end, you know, it's only like four or five hours. Um, but it's sort of this really intense sort of, the focus sort of has a physical toll to it. And it's, um, and so it, it, it can be, it can be exhausting. Um, and the other thing is, you know, it, it's, it's like you, you, you don't get to, you don't get to mess up and just go back and get it right. It's like, if you mess up, that mess up is part of the experience and, if you, um, and, and, and so you're, you're sort of always in this state of trying to maintain a certain level of, of precision um, while maintaining, you know, it, the, the freedom of the scene and, and, and keeping it alive. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, I don't know, it's intense. It's intense, but it's, it's also, it's, it's, it's also like a, a, it becomes just sort of a habit. And you, your brain and your body just kind of gets used to, to doing that thing. And um, I imagine the first time you do it, and I think for me, the first time I did eight shows, I was like, how am I, how, how am I supposed to keep this up? And within, I want to say within a year, I was totally used to, to doing eight shows a week and being in that space and then coming out and, you know, having a life outside of that. Yeah, it's, it's great to hear you say that because I think there's a real stigma especially with theatre actors that once you know once the show's opened and it's swing you've got all this time to you know relax you've got your whole day essentially but you're right it's not like that because you've, you've got to be in this headspace and you've got to actually you know, every moment of the day sort of builds up to that you know four or five hours right right and it's, it's strange because it, you feel like you should have more time you feel like you should have your whole day and it just doesn't quite feel that way um, and it's a lot of people like, you know, and then, then also like the preview period, you know, um, is, is really intense because you're going into rehearsals at noon or so and you're in rehearsals all day and then you do the show in the evening and, you know, you, you do that six days a week and it's really, really intense. Um, but, um, but then, yeah, once the show opens, you feel like you should have your, your life back, and, and it's not it's not quite that way. It's it's just you know because it matters. It matters. I mean, as an artist, you want to you want to do a good job. You want to be as truthful and present as you possibly can. So you know, it's not like just going to a job where you can kind of be off one day and be things and not really space and really have your energy like in the right place. To, to do it, so it's it's a uh, yeah it's 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 precise and it's it's taxing, but it's it's uh, it's active and it's fun too. It certainly is. Now you've actually got a film in American cinema at the moment called They Remain. What can you tell mm-hmm. us about this? Well, it's about uh, a couple of scientists who go into the woods to study uh, anomalous behavior by. Um, some of the animals in this particular area. And, you know, the two scientists have a past together, and um, things sort of 
unravel from there. It's a, it's a really weird thriller sci-fi horror style movie, but it's sort of like it sort of like skirts all of those lines. Um, it's a but it's a it's a really interesting writer director named uh, Philip Gillette, and um, my uh, scene partner is uh, Rebecca Henderson, and she's she's really great. And it's it was it was it was fun. We actually shot it a couple of years ago, um, but uh, it's it's a it was a it was a really good time working on it. It was really intense, and um, and I think the movie itself is uh, is a it's, it's interesting. It's a really strange movie. I've never seen anything like it. And uh, and I think the photography in it is is stunning. Do you think of late audiences are more open to unusual films or TV series? I feel so. I feel now. I feel that audiences are smarter now than they've been. They've ever been. Um, I think, as evidenced by the success of of The Good Place, even I, I think that you know it's. Um, I think people are. People want a longer story. I feel like TV and and films are in a place where they, you know, in this in in this era where everyone's put out whatever weird thing they want and it's readily accessible to everyone else. Um, I, I think that you know a lot of media is 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 taking more risks and and trying different things, and it's. Um, I think the audiences are just a little bit more receptive to things that are atypical. Um, and I think that people in my generation, um, you know, those of us that are sort of, that grew up watching TV in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s, and sort of grew up in that culture where things were a little bit more, you know, there was a formula and these were how things were done, and at the end of an hour, things were finished and, and complete. And um, I think that we sort of, are, are in a place where we really enjoy a, a, a long piece of storytelling. And I, I, I think that creators are, are, are sort of in tune with that and making some really great stuff. Absolutely. And do you think that gives you, as an actor, better opportunities to find great roles to inhabit? I think so. I feel, I feel like I have been able to go out for a lot of things that I and legitimately interested in, you know, it's, uh, you know, as an actor, you, you know, you audition, you're not always into everything that you go in for, you know, you just try to see if you can find a way to, to, to connect to the material and see if there's something in it that you like and something in it that you want to do. And I find that it's much easier now because of the sort of interesting modes of storytelling to find those pieces. Uh, I don't, I don't find that I'm just sort of holding my nose and auditioning for stuff. I feel like, you know, it's it's generally stuff that I would would I think I would find interesting. And do you think that Netflix and Amazon and Hulu have forced network television to to be better for lack of better phrasing? I think it's I think they're I, I think they're for, I think they are forcing it. I think they are pushing it a little bit. Um you know, it's uh, you know, I'm not really all that clear on on how the business model works necessarily for for network television. I mean, but I, I do know that, you know, with everything being so advertiser driven, um, a lot of the 
decisions being made about what's put on the air and what sort of stories are being told is driven by what demographic will buy the products, you know, during this, how, you know, will, or will be influenced to buy the products, you know, by whatever in the show, mentioned in the show or mentioned in the advertising within the show. And um, I think that, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I think that, you know, like the, the, the Amazon Netflix model is just more long form storytelling. And I think that it is, it is bleeding over. I think that a lot of people are watching when they talk about, when shows are talked about, you know, like at, at dinner or when you're hanging out with your friends, it's not typically, you know, it's not typically network shows. It's typically, you know, really strange, um, you know, uh, like Netflix or, or, or cable shows that are, that are, that are doing really strange things. And I think that that is sort of, I think network television wants to be a part of that conversation again. And I think that it's, I think that it is, um, they, they are being pushed to sort of make some, some more interesting choices. And what's your favorite show to watch right now? Um, well, you know, right now, actually, I'm, I'm a little behind. Uh, I'm watching Deadwood right now. Um, because I, I didn't have HBO and it was on TV, and uh, someone brought me into it and was just like, "You should, you should, you should watch the show. It's got some really interesting dialogue, and um, I, I think you'll enjoy it." And so I'm watching that right now. Um, almost finished with Black Mirror. I've just been kind of like just binging through that recently. Um, I'm a big fan of High Maintenance, also um, on HBO. It's a uh, uh, just because that's just uh, it, it's uh, again it just so the story does what it's going to do and it's it's really fun and it's also I just you know I live in New York and so I see a lot of places you know back home you know and that's 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 fun for me. Certainly sounds like it. Now, is there any other projects that listeners can look forward to seeing you in that are going to come out over the next few months? Um. Actually, uh, nothing. Nothing right now. I'm actually just sort of uh, focusing on the on the show, um, and uh, I have some projects that are coming out in the next in the next year. Um, but you know, right now it's uh, it's going to be a it's going to be kind of a quiet period for me. And for our listeners who want to sort of stay in touch and, and know about those projects that are, that are happening next year, and even you know find out when the Good Place season three is going to air. Where can they find you? Are you on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram? I am, I am on Twitter at uh, uh, Dub Jack Harper. That's my, uh, that's my Twitter handle, Dub Jack Harper, all spelled out. And then um, I am on, I'm on Instagram, uh, just under William Jackson Harper. And, uh, yeah, those, that, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. I mean, they're both pretty, they're both pretty barren. But, I, but I, I do try to like put things out there every now and again. Well, I will put a link to the show notes uh, to both of those accounts for our listeners, and then I'll also get over there and, and follow you myself. All right. I'll follow you back. I'll take you. Um, yeah. but, well, William, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. But just before we let you go, what is the one piece of advice that you received during your career that you think was invaluable and you would like to pass on to any aspiring creatives out there. Hmm. Give me one second. Let me think about that. 
You know, I, I mean, it's, it's, hmm. I actually hesitate to say this one, but I feel like it's, uh, I feel like it's, I feel like it's important. Um, you know, the one thing that, uh, my theater chair said to me, uh, which I sort of kept checking in with myself just to make sure that I was on the right path. Um, was if you can think of anything else that makes you happy and that you would rather do, do it. Um, this is because this is a, a really tough, tough industry. Um, but I think I would add on to that, that um, as long as this makes you happy, you have to stay with it because you're, you're going to feel the loss um, if, you, if you ignore it. So um, I think it's, it's like as long as, I, I think I would actually say rather, as long as this makes you happy, stay with it. Well, thank you for your very wise words and your time today. It really has been great talking to you. I can't wait to see The Good Place back on TV. And I look forward to all your other endeavours that uh, I know yeah. our listeners are going to watch in the future. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. That was my chat with the wonderful William Jackson Harper. Now, that is all we have time for today. We will be back with a couple of exciting episodes in September. Now, don't forget, as always, to check out our wonderful supporters, Palace Nova Cinemas, Mad Zombie Collectibles, and ZQ Racing. All their details are in the show notes here and also on the website under the supporters section and don't forget to check out the audio drama adaptation of the phoenix files starring bafta nominee paul mcgann i've loved making them the final installment life in the flames is going to be out at the end of the year i think uh, november 30th so you've got time to catch up on the first two and then they're always available they're on itunes and amazon and uh, google play and also phoenixfilesaudio.com you can download them you can stream them but whatever you do make sure you listen to them and i really hope you enjoy them well, I have been your host, Benjamin May McKay. That is all for today's show. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we'll be back next month with more exciting interviews. Bye for now.